Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, Nintendo kills the Wii U and 3DS eShops. We'll talk more about what that means in the show. Microsoft gives fewer reasons to buy the Windows 11 Pro version. Piracy has gone to the open seas. NFTs have been stolen. And the metaverse continues to show what is wrong with itself. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, guys. Good evening, Norris. Good morning, Norris. This Eli's on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. All right, we got quite a bit to talk about today, and one of them has. We're actually going to start off with a reoccurring issue I've brought up on the podcast over and over and over again, and only now, only now, are people realizing. Wow, hey, you know that thing that that one bird guy was talking about. That might happen. To which I'm going, no. Really? Who would have thought that by going with an all digital console, that eventually the electronic shop where you go ahead and buy games, eventually the shop would close. And with that, your ability to get games for it it also goes away. It is the reason why I was very grateful when the PS5 theoretically announced and theoretically launched that you could theoretically get either an all-digital version or one with a disk drive to continue getting physical copies of the game. This has been something I've been talking about forever. The reason we accept on the PC side an all-digital store is because our backwards compatibility lets us go ahead and pretty much, if we want to, get MS-DOS games running again on the same PC. It's the reason why everyone was concerned on the PC side when an old form of DRM could have possibly been bricked and actually was bricked by the new Intel launch. Because on the PC side, we have enjoyed virtually infinite backwards compatibility. That doesn't happen in the console world, at least nowhere to the same degree. The Xbox, though, does and has been allowing for one way or another for you to play your old Xbox games on the current hardware with no problem. Even if it meant going ahead and having it available on a older store and just having the older hardware emulated in the same box. You could still, if you so choose to play Halo one on your Xbox series series. 
the PlayStation, you have a problem because, well, backwards compatibility has been bricked. Nintendo, though. So glad that I hit a button and a whole bunch of t things happened that I didn't want to. Nintendo, on the other hand, has not been as backward compatibility friendly lately. The NES to the Super NES, there was no backwards compatibility. Super NES to the N64, no backwards compatibility. The portable systems, oddly enough, had a lot of backwards compatibility until about... I want to say the DS. Once you got to the DS, then you could no longer play your original Game Boy games. And then, of course, the 3DS got rid of its ability to play Game Boy Advance games. And actually, yeah, that's the entire portable line. But you've had some elements of playing your old content on Nintendo over the years. There was a Game Boy player in the GameCube, which I actually have one. The GameCube, you were able to play... Actually, no, the GameCube, you had no way to play N64 games, but the Wii was able to play GameCube games, and the Wii U was able to play Wii games. Even though everyone just assumed the Wii U was the same as the Wii, even though it wasn't, it was a brand new console. But in the Wii U, they introduced the virtual console shop. You actually could buy emulated copies of games and play them on your Wii U supported by Nintendo legally no no legal gray area here built into the Wii U no problem same thing on the 3DS and in fact there were a, there are a lot of games on those virtual on those virtual console shops that you currently cannot get on the Switch, which is basically the only currently supported console from Nintendo. There is no portable version of console with Nintendo anymore. It is just the Switch. That's it, the end. The Switch is your home console and your portable console. And thus brings us to the actual story. Nintendo is closing the 3DS and Wii U eShop and has, quote, no plans to offer classic content in other ways. Now, the headline is a little misleading because there are a handful of old school titles you currently can play on the Switch. It is with the membership fee I actually forgot what the program is called on the Nintendo Switch that you just go ahead 
you pay them, I think it's what, $20 a year? And that gives you online access and then access to the NES Virtual Console and the, and the uh, Super Nintendo Virtual Console. The thing is, is that Nintendo, I hate to say this, and I really hoped I was going to be wrong, but Nintendo has basically shown they have no intention on expanding these platforms much further. We're getting like maybe two to three to four games each year, if that, every year on the Switch. Now, fortunately for a lot of us, like myself, who never had a chance to play Earthbound, we are seeing Earthbound come to this platform. And I, for one, am really, really grateful for that. But there are a lot of other titles. Like, for one, I know the original Advance Wars 1 and 2. Unless you have a Game Boy Advance, the only way to play those games would have been on the virtual shop on the Wii U. Gone. Poof. You won't be able to play those original titles without resorting to emulation or hunting down the original cartridge and console. Without that, you're looking at a legal gray area. Now, in that example, there is a remake coming for those two titles, which I personally am looking very forward to. But you see the problem. On the PC side of things, when it comes to gaming, we can legally, without being in any sort of gray area, and Lord knows, Nintendo loves to crack down on the legally gray on, on the legal gray area. Just in the names of just in the name of it could be piracy. Shut it down. But if I wanted to, I could go fire up Jill of the Jungle for MS-DOS. I could go ahead and fire up Lemmings. I could go fire up Half-Life. I could go fire up Skyrim. Which edition? Whichever the heck one I want. Lord knows Skyrim has been made 28,000 times over the past 69 years. But the point is, is that... I can do that. Legally. No moral gray area at all. Heck, I could fire up Red Alert 2. That was actually a favorite of mine on the PC. The unfortunate thing is that online play for Red Alert 2, as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong, that it could have been restored by some third party if you do this, that, and the other thing. I could go fire that up too. 
I want to go ahead and rig up some sort of land party, I could go grab some of my friends and we could all go ahead and do stupid things in Riddler 2 Yuri's Revenge. Like construct, like frickin' buildings only. With consoles, you have the advantage that all you have to do is go to a used shop, get the console, and get the physical discs. Done. If things continue the trend of going digital only, every single time an announcement like this comes out, means that's it. Gone. A piece of gaming history will then be lost forever. Especially if Nintendo keeps going down the track it does to squish out every single bit of emulation that it can. Any bit of emulation that's third party. This is the biggest problem I have with these two shops shutting down. Because now games that you could have played Games like, say, Rampart for the NES or OG Advance Wars for, for the GBA. You could have played those games on the Wii U Virtual Shop, on the Virtual Console Shop. Now you can't. And Nintendo has shown they have no intention on bringing it back at all in the future. And you could say, oh, the future's now, old man. Who cares about your old games? A lot of people. If you're listening to the audio version, you don't see the chat, but I can just tell you right now on the chat, we have people saying, man, Red, Red Alert 2, Yuri's Revenge, good times. Wow, Joel of the Jungle. I haven't heard that game mentioned in like a decade now. I'm not going to lie. There's some days where it's just a slow, tired day, and part of me wouldn't mind of just sitting down and firing up, like, Uncharted Waters on the NES and just screw around on that game. The only way I can do that right now is either A hunt down a piece of electronics that should be in a museum or emulation. Oh, wait, but that's also considered piracy. I'm not going to say Nintendo, I'm not going to go out as far as some people on the internet. Like a lot of people on the internet said that Nintendo has an obligation to preserve these pieces of gaming history. They don't. Nintendo doesn't have an obligation to do such a thing. 
there are plenty of people in the gaming space that'll preserve that history for them. What I ask is that Nintendo doesn't try to actively squish those who try to preserve gaming history. The other thing I'd ask is, you know, maybe Nintendo, you have a virtual console shop. You have it for the Wii U. Bring it to the Switch. You have Microsoft doing the same thing right now. They have a virtual console shop all the way back to the original Xbox. You have one right now. And you've got the capability to put some manpower to it to go ahead and figure out how to push it there. And it's not like you have a financial incentive not to. It's a shop. It will generate revenue. Nintendo some days in in their quest to generate profit baffles me. That that that's just as much as I'll say. It baffles me almost as much as Anchor's inability to gener- to want to go ahead and launch advertisements on their podcasting platform. There's another one I'll never understand. Speaking of obsolescent equipment, I want to talk for a minute about Second Sight. Second Sight, for those who don't know, is a basically a bionic eye. It allows those who are blind to see. Not see well, mind you. It's not like with this one eye, sight is restored to the sightless perfectly. But it's still something which in the world... Like, let's let's put it this way. The resolution that's provided by these bionic eyes by, by second sight... Is something akin to like, I think I, I heard it described as like one 120p as far as like the quality of the site. What would you rather have? 120p or zero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an impressive push in medical advancements unfortunately the company has gone under it is gone and 
unfortunately, because of the way the company operated, it has left no one around to service these implants. Well then, and of course, the company that was in charge of this, the second site company, they never ever made the documentation for these eyes, which I put in air quotes that I didn't actually do. They gave this, they gave these schematics and everything to exactly no one. Oh boy, you're starting to see the problem, huh? So yeah, this this basically medical engineering miracle now cannot be serviced, maintained, or anything by anyone. Maybe eventually down the road, someone will go ahead and figure out how to service these eyes. But for now, well, these people are very, very much, pardon the pun, but in the dark. I want you to remember this story as the movement of right to repair moves further and further forward. Because this will be something that comes up down the road. I guarantee it. Anyway, now that we're all thoroughly depressed, let's talk about Windows 11. Windows 11 is getting a whole lot of brand new features. Like, none that you actually really, really want, but um, it's bringing back drag and drop to the taskbar, a feature I didn't realize was missing from Windows 11. Why was that missing? <laughs> The ability to drag and drop items to the taskbar. <laughs> Why? Why? Just mm. well, this new build of Windows 11 is available to testers. Now you'll be able to go ahead and and drag an app on top of another app to create a folder, very much akin to how you operate. A smart phone device. This feature, I'm actually, I think that's actually fine. Because honestly, as younger computer users are, well, more used to mobile phone operating systems, I believe a lot of those features 
being brought to Windows is going to be ideal. New touch, ge touch gestures have been added. Things you'll probably never real realize unless you, you know, were foolish enough to install this on a tablet. As well as... Currently, a live captions mode will soon be available. Windows Control L. And... Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. A few other minor improvements. Oh no, I'm sorry. There is one other big update that came to Windows 11. And this actually is a feature that as someone who's been trying to troubleshoot his Windows 10 PC in the dark at late at night would greatly appreciate Task Manager having a dark mode. Whoa. Just whoa. Actually, you know what? I'd actually appreciate a lot more as I'm troubleshooting my PC at 3 a.m. because it's driving me absolutely mad. Did you know that HP and their infinite wisdom on their commercial grade workstations has the bio slash UEFI screen, depending on who you talk to, with a bright, full brightness, white background, red text at the top, and either blue or black text. I'd, I'd use select words to express my frustration with this against HP, but I want to make sure this podcast remains family friendly. So yeah, anyway, uh, dark mode task manager, highly recommend. What I don't recommend, though, is the latest feature added to Windows 11 Pro, and it's the fact that you need to sign up with a Microsoft account on Windows 11 Pro, on your professional operating system. I need a Microsoft account. Why? What possible use... Could this pos- I'm actually upset. Like, this actually upsets me far more than anything else. Because that is one thing that absolutely drives me insane. Every time I update one of my pro PCs, whether it be my one at work or the one actually here in the studio. What the heck is a massive office supposed to do? You actually expect every single... Oh, hey, by the way, uh, welcome to our accounting firm. Uh, by the way, you need to go and set up a Microsoft account in addition to our own account. And then uh, you'll have to go to talk to HR, set up an HR account. Our account, 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 account. Why? Isn't the whole point of a professional operating system so that I control the cycle of the, of the system? Is that not the point? Microsoft, you want to know how to push every... You want to know how to push massive enterprises away from Windows and actually, and actually finally, for once in their blasted life, embrace Linux? This, this is how you do it. 
What the? I, I, I need to step, step away and like yell into a pillow. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Apple is getting the middle finger dished back to them by the Dutch, but it's okay. Apple flipped off the Dutch first. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so the Dutch versus Apple saga continues. Are you ready to hear the next advancement? So for those who have not been paying attention to this saga, what happened was Dutch regulators went went ahead and approached Apple and said, you must... You must allow for dating apps on the platform that operate within the Netherlands to be able to offer a lower rate by using third-party payment providers. Because, of course, payment providers from Apple take a 30% cut, which is absurd. So what Apple said is that, all right, we'll allow it. We'll let dating apps in the Netherlands accept third-party payment providers, but they to lower their rate down to 27%. Which, of course, we pointed out that uh, this effectively makes the rate exactly the same. Because that third-party payment provider is also going to, um, their cut's going to be about 3%, which is pretty normal for credit card processors. Well, Apple has been given yet another fine from the Dutch because, of course, this attempt to, you know, comply was on its face an insult completely and utterly a complete insult. Yeah, r- raise the hands. Who's really surprised by this? Anyone? Is anyone actually surprised this happened? No? Okay. So the saga continues. Apple must now go ahead and uh, try to comply or face even more fines. Meanwhile... Google is making a very bold move. And oddly enough, we had a big rant about uh, Chrome OS in between the breaks that, of course, was not recorded. But my my point, I'll summarize the rant I had real quick in, the, in this much. Chrome OS's place, the only reason it works so well in schools is because schools 
refuse to actually want to go ahead and manage actual computer systems. So a really, really dumb, basic, nothing operating system like Chrome OS works really great in schools. Even though in the end you are teaching the students nothing about using a real computer that uses a real file system. You remember about a year ago when we had that story about college students not knowing how to use File Explorer? Yeah, Chrome OS is 100% to blame. But good news! Google will now bring you a distributable copy of Chrome OS that you can install on any computer you want. Oh boy! You mean I could go ahead and install Chrome OS on my two high-end Intel Xeon-powered HP Z440 workstations? Machines that are capable of designing bridges and processing medical imaging to go ahead and detect cancer? I can install Chrome OS on them and have them be able to do none of those things? Wow! That's great! I can install Chrome OS on my streaming system so now it can't stream at all? Wow! How amazing. And you know what the worst part is about this terrible announcement? It is it is said it is made for schools and businesses. I mean, I've given up on trying to convince schools to go ahead and install a real operating system and teach real kids how to use a real computer. Because I'm losing that fight. Clearly. They're going to continue going down the road of not caring to manage real computers and just let kids continue to use basically a web browser for an operating system. But here's my real question. What idiot of a business would run off Chrome OS. Really? Really? Oh, but Eagle, you don't understand. So many business applications are now cloud applications. Oh, good. So I'm then guaranteed to then be at the absolute mercy of those cloud systems staying up. Yeah, how how much has uh how often has Amazon Web Services stayed up and running over over the last few months? Oh yeah, they've had an uptime of 95%. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's true. 95%, that's acceptable. You know, except for the fact that um locally run hardware and locally run software has a 100% uptime. Just saying. Locally run software. Always up 100% of the time. You know what I can't wait for? Because one of the arguments for using Chrome OS is the same one we had for running Macs. You should use a Mac. 
Macs have no viruses. Macs never have a problem. That's the same argument we hear for using Chrome OS now. I can't wait for malicious actors to actually care about trying to infect Chrome OS systems. And it's not an if. It's when. Especially if you're trying to push this amount of usage for it. But I can already hear some people say, Eagle, you were a computer refurbisher. You pride yourself on taking old PCs and breathing new life into them. And you're right, I do. My two workstations here I use for for the setup are both computers from what? 2012? About? My laptop for work is a 2010 Dell Precision laptop. My personal laptop is one from 2014. These are all pieces of equipment that I've had that, well, if I didn't go ahead and scoop them up and breathe new life into them, more than likely would have probably actually been bought up by someone else that would have breathed new life in them and probably resold them as well, or would have ended up in a landfill. Someone in chat said that factory setting and restoring previous settings is relatively easy for most people in Chromebooks. It's I've seen a palette of them that need factory restoring. Once the OS gets corrupted, which is what would happen during a viral infection. It's not. I have seen an entire palette of Chromebooks be destined to the landfill. Because they couldn't reinstall the operating system. Yeah. But here, here's the other thing I was getting to. There's plenty of systems out there that are so old that you can't get a version of modern Windows on them. That's true. I have a couple of Core 2 Duo systems over there on a desk that, for the most part, you won't be able to go ahead and install Windows 10 on. They'll take Windows 8 and not be able to run half their functions Or you could put Windows 7 on them and then watch as, you know, a lot of supported software doesn't run on it. 
you could breathe new life into those older machines with Chrome OS. That's true. You could. Or I could breathe new life into those machines using another operating system entirely. It's the same operating system that's been used on many, many, many older systems to give them a second life. Does anyone know what the name of that operating system is? I mean, it's a trick question because the operating system goes by many, 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 many different names. It's Linux. We've been doing it for a long, long, long time. And you know what? Almost every single version of Linux is a more functional operating system than Chrome OS. And that's not like some sort of hyperbole or technically because of this bullet point or that bullet point. No, it's fact. It's absolute fact. I say that though, but I do have, of all the computers I have, and I have a lot of computers, by the way, some of which in service, some of which aren't, some of which are need to be restored, but I haven't had the chance to go restore them. There is one PC, I will admit, one in my ownership that currently can't see a new life, but could with Chrome OS. And it's an Intel Atom-powered Dell tablet with two gigs of RAM. Because when Dell first made that laptop, they did a really bad job and gave it only two gigs of RAM. And a lot of its functions won't function under most forms of Linux. So actually this new release of bringing Chrome OS as a distributable, installable operating system actually could breathe new life into that 10-inch tablet, which may or may not have a working battery because it's been sitting for so long. But that is one PC compared to two Haswell E-powered Xeon towers compared to one Core i7 cab or what what I can't remember which lake the um the Dell runs on or one Skylake HP laptop or a ha- or an entire stack of Dell Core Duo and Core 2 Duo laptops sitting in the server room Someone in chat said, 
someone in the chat tried to go ahead and get get into a uh, a, a bit of a my PC's older than yours. He's, this guy's got a Dell Dimension 3000 with a Celeron in it. The unfortunate thing is that the Celeron badge is a processor name that that Intel still uses to this day. Unfortunately. The Dimension 3000, though, I am actually fairly certain that's like a Pentium 4 era system. And I will fully admit when I was doing, when I was in the refurbishing business, I didn't try to go ahead and pick up many uh, Celeron-based systems or any uh, Pentium 4-based systems just because, uh... yeah, you pay $10 for them, and then if you're lucky, you can sell them for, you know, 20 It just wasn't a good investment to make business-wise. I always I always left those sort of pending four base systems for the uh for the refurbishers the refurbishers that actually had a physical shop. I of course did not have a physical shop. I operated exclusively online. Yeah, I was right. The Dell Dimension three thousand is in fact a Pentium four era Dell Tower. It's actually right about in the middle, about about the uh, 2003 era. Is it bad that I miss the gray on gray that Dell used to have? Chat's not saying anything, so I assume it has to be bad. You know what else is bad? There's a boat out at sea that's on fire. There is a bar, a shipping barge out in the, I want to say the Atlantic Ocean right now, that is on fire... And is currently loaded with thousands of cars. But someone in chat brings up a very good question. What? They couldn't find water to put the fire out? Ah, but here is the problem. You see... It's very easy to put out a a fire that is powered by, you know, combustible fuels. There's plenty of fire suppression systems out there that'll do it. There's plenty that are built into the barge that will put out that kind of fire. However, a lithium fire, a fire that is using lithium batteries as the source of the fuel, is almost virtually impossible to put out. Yes, my friends, this barge 
is going to have a serious problem trying to put out the fire because a decent chunk of the vehicles on the barge are electric vehicles. The source of the fire has not been determined yet. We don't know whether the fire was caused because of faulty batteries from the EVs or if it, or if it started by other means, but because of the EVs, they can't put it out at this time. Uh-oh. Now, in the end, what this is going to be, this is going to be a lesson. This barge being on fire is going to be a lesson that extra precautions need to be taken to go ahead and have better fire suppression systems on these barges transporting electric vehicles. Because there are ways to put out lithium fires. It's just things like water aren't going to do it. This is actually one of the moments where I wish I actually had Regret the Van with me. Who used to be my co-host with the podcast long, long ago. He is much more knowledgeable with his, with his experience with the... Um, I can't remember the Navy, Navy or the Air Force that he was in for... I want to say the Navy... He actually has more knowledge with those kind of fires than I absolutely, I friggin' know nothing. I, I know fire burn. I also know you shouldn't throw water on a grease fire. I also know you shouldn't throw water on a lithium fire. Someone in chat is, is saying that uh, you cannot use water on what is referred to as a class B fire and lithium fires are a class B fire fire yeah but there there are others other ways to uh put out that kind of fire and i do not know them off the top of my head that person in the chat is also saying yeah water can actually spread the fire exactly But getting to my point, this will end up being a lesson down the road to teach how to, that you have to go ahead and take extra precautions when moving these kinds of goods. Right now, though, in the current uh, economy of vehicles, uh, there is a massive Underline massive shortage of vehicles. Like, I don't think anyone fully understands just how massive the shortage is. One of our frequent listeners of the, of the podcast who is a truck driver spread good news to us in the community that um, his lease for the vehicle was extended 
simply because there's no other commercial vehicles to go ahead and supply. I've talked about before when I was going out and looking for a replacement vehicle for, for our works F550 medium duty diesel truck that has died only to find out that vehicles that would sell for 50k new are selling for 80k used with 200,000 miles on the engine which granted on a diesel vehicle like that is not much But still, you're not supposed to be able to put 200,000 miles on a commercial vehicle and have the value go up. That's not how this works. That's not how it works in any vehicle market. Except the current one. And guess what? A couple thousand vehicles burning on a ship is not, under any circumstances, helping the supply problem right now. Our trucker buddy in the chat went ahead and posted 2018 Volvo VNL 62T 780, also referred to as the Volvo VNL 780. Conventional trucks with sleeper sale price $119,750. That is the value. Those trucks normally, I could be wrong on this because I don't keep tabs on what the price is on a semi truck that um, that's in the OTR market, mostly because I currently am unable to drive them at this time legally. But I want to say new, those suckers are like 70, 80 K. And that one that he just listed there is four years old with, I assume, like 300,000 miles now. And its value has gone up by 50%. Assuming my rough estimate of about 80K is correct. Oh, I'm sorry. The mileage is... 485,000 miles. Keep in mind, with a diesel truck like that, you can usually get about a million miles out of the engine. So, theoretically, that's half its lifespan already spent on the engine, and its value has gone up. That is the kind of vehicle shortage going on right now. But hey, you know, a couple thousand vehicles, that could help leave the shortage, right? Oh, wait, no, it can't. They're all on fire now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not good news. We're going to take our break early here when we come back NFTs. Yeah, zero episodes since last NFT rant. (laughs) 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. During the break, we tried to find the the MSRP of a a Volvo semi-truck, and unfortunately, we failed. All we could find... All we could find is is vehicles that costed more, I guarantee you more, than they did new on the used market, except for one yard truck that uh, really should be retired. But that is just the nature of the world today. In any case, let's just get to another NFT update. OpenSea, for those who are unaware, is one of the biggest NFT websites out there. If you are a scumbag who wants to go ahead, steal art, and then sell it as an NFT, 99 out of 100 times you are selling it on OpenSea. That is how big the website is. The majority of NFTs are sold on OpenSea. By the way, fun fact, and this one I got a large chuckle out of, the comedy company Cracked went and put out a video t- say, talking about if um, they have, they've always had this series called If Blank Were Honest. They did one about if NFTs were honest. And in there, they made two fake NFTs to just kind of showcase, oh, man, these things are so ugly. Why would anyone get them, et cetera, et cetera. And even mentioned in, the, in there, it's just like, oh, that's okay. If you don't want to sell your your art on, on my site, we'll just use bots to scrape up your art and sell it without your consent anyway. They had their two fake NFTs saved and sold as NFTs on OpenSeas. As though you you can't make this up. You just can't. In any case. Open seas. Someone in chat says they may have just done it for funsies. There's doing it for funsies. And then there's you have literally gone ahead, taken stolen art and are trying to sell it for a profit. Because that's effectively what you're doing. Whether you think it's a joke or not, you are still committing theft and trying to profit off the stolen goods. There's no way to get around that part. In any case, getting to the story at hand. OpenSea is currently investigating a phishing attack that reportedly stole NFTs. Now, I went and grabbed this story yesterday. Being, I'm recording this for, for, I'm recording this on... Sunday. Saturday night is when I did all the prep for this podcast. The update this morning 
is that it's currently estimated that $1.7 million worth of NFTs were stolen from OpenSea. The investigation is, of course, still ongoing, but once again, I do have to ask, Are we really surprised? It's a non-centralized system with no accountability anywhere. Are you really surprised that a hack was done to steal these tokens from another website? And here's the part I want to remind you. The NFT is just the token that claims you have ownership. No one still enforces that the NFT gives you legitimate ownership of the digital good. An NFT, I need to remind you again and again and again and again that all it is is a serial number and the link that that serial number is associated to. That's it. I used to say the the line of who owns it, but that's not even true because ownership is just assumed whoever has the NFT in their crypto wallet. If it's stolen from your crypto wallet, you're just SOL. Yeah. This means that you get more accountability from large banks that you don't trust. That's always the part that slays me the most about crypto bros. They don't trust any kind of bank. But there's even, there's infinitely less accountability for any of these crypto sites they praise. Because think about this for a minute. Open Seas has no obligation to retrieve the stolen goods. None. Zip, zero, nada. To which then you can just say, fine, I'll go take my NFT holding or NFT purchases somewhere else. Enough people do that. Open Seas dies. You know what else dies with Open Seas? All of the NFTs Open Seas ever sold. Because remember how I said that an NFT is just a serial number and a link? If OpenSeas dies, then the link to the picture of the fugly monkey you went ahead and wasted money on becomes a 404 error code. That hexagon picture you have on Twitter that hexagon picture that you went ahead and paid extra for so that I can see your hexagon picture and then know, oh, you're an idiot. Okay, okay. I now know the kind of person I'm dealing with. 
if open seas goes down all of a sudden your hexagon is a 404 error code yeah also a uh, fun fact and I'm going to go ahead and just quickly look this up to verify this. But um, the Board Ape Yacht Club, the main purve purveyor of NFTs, still has a circle for its profile picture. Board Ape Yacht Club. The biggest source of all the problems by pushing the NFT boat as hard as they could refuses to even use an NFT on their own Twitter page. It doesn't mean anything. I just find that amusing. That even they don't want to go ahead and verify their, their own NFT profile picture. So once again, more stuff stolen on open seas. But NFTs are the future. NFTs can do all kinds of amazing things like trick people into thinking that they're worth something. No one yet has given me a good, valid explanation as to what an nft can do and what sort of value it actually gives to the world no one not a single soul zone in chat says the open seas is traditionally a place for um for piracy yeah yeah pretty much Someone in chat says you you just don't get NFTs. No, I do. I think I understand NFTs far more than any supporter of NFTs. But of course, I could just ask the main question. Explain it then. I'm waiting. Still waiting. EagleFalconTech at gmail.com. Go ahead. Explain it to me. I welcome an explanation with open arms. I, I, I actually do seriously mean this. I would love to have an envoy, a supporter of NFTs come on the show, on the mic, and try to explain in actual terms, what is the true benefit? The person who's joking around in ch in chat just says it uses the blockchain to compensate artists. 
You know what else compensates artists? Cold, hard cash. Actual commissions. Actually going to these foreign things you may have heard thousands of years ago called conventions and actually sell prints of your art. Or just selling it digitally. Selling the prints on digital sites, that means. But here's here's the here's the saddest thing about NFTs. There is only one example everyone keeps going back to. Everyone. One single example. And that's the artist Beeble. Beeble is a visual effects artist that makes animations daily and publishes them. He went ahead when NFTs were very early on and made a giant collage of his dailies and sold it as one NFT very, very early on and made a boatload of Ethereum. He has been literally the only success story that hasn't been behind some kind of scam or some kind of terrible project using basically an MMO character creation engine to go ahead and spew out a metric ton of lions, apes, and other such terrible artwork, caring more about the quantity than the quality. The only person on record that has actually sold their art as art for a profit rather than making garbage or just straight up trying to scam using NFTs. He's the only one. But that also being said, we now have another milestone story. The UK has made its first seizure of NFTs when cracking down on tax evaders. Good job, money launderers. Your NFT is now viewed as an asset. The NFTs that were seized were were valued at roughly I want to make sure I actually have have the amount correctly I actually think this article doesn't actually say how much the NFTs were were, were valued at but these these criminals were trying to evade roughly 1.4 million dollars Or no, they were trying to defraud the public coffers of roughly 1.4 million pounds. Roughly 5,000 pounds worth of crypto assets were also seized 
in addition to the NFTs. Someone in chat says, oh, cool. Now the UK government can also get their very own 404 error, error code. It's true. If they were go down. I mean, let's be honest, though. The um, once the once the UK justice system has uh, processed this whole thing, they're going to just do whatever they can to get their money's worth out of the NFTs. Uh, mean, but speaking of uh, failed art pieces, let's talk about VR. Microsoft is going to be removing AltSpace VR social hubs. All right, re- real quick, raise of hands. Who here has ever heard of AltSpace VR? Anyone? All right, cool. Everyone that just put their hands up, please put your hands down. We know you're lying. I don't think anyone has ever heard of this Altspace VR. Like, no one. Apparently, this is a, basically a, I hate using this term, but metaverse for all things Microsoft. And, of course... Now that everyone's trying to go ahead and make MMO-like spaces, but with a lot less gameplay, to go ahead and exist in the world. Which, by the way, I'm really grateful we're having all these digital worlds come out after uh, we're really sick of trying to live in virtual worlds for the last two years. Except for weirdos like me. Just, just let me live in FF14, please. Hey, my house is coming along just fine, thank you. But in any case, the goal of these social hubs being removed, though, is to tighten up on safety and moderation. Now, why would you want to go ahead and just worry about safety and moderation in a virtual world? You never need to worry about that, right? Nothing terrible ever happens in a virtual world, right? Yeah, about that. Let's talk about Roblox. And about their child predator problem. So, it's not uncommon for any sort of virtual space to go ahead and devolve into having some kind of degenerate behavior go on amongst the community. We'll we'll just phrase it like that. Every single one of them has it. World of Warcraft has Goldshire, specifically on the Moonguard server. 
Final Fantasy XIV has the entire Crystal Server data center, specifically Baomung, specifically Ulda. Every game has it. It happens. And most of them self-police themselves very well. World of Warcraft does very well. Final Fantasy XIV does it extremely well. Roblox, on the other hand, because it is a game intended for children, um, never thought about it at all, and apparently has a big, big, big problem with child predators. Now, of course, people have gone in and already made mods for, you know, lewd outfits, stripper poles, all that kind of jazz. It's, you almost expect it. And honestly, in a world like Roblox, I mean, you you go ahead and do you, but the game's intended for children, dude. Come on, man. Just come on. Uh, Needless to say, that uh, moderation, as in, like, moderators actually, you know, enforcing rules, yeah, it needs to be done on Roblox, because I can guarantee you that there's going to be some really, really, really bad things that are going to eventually happen on Roblox. But what about the metaverse? Well, the metaverse right now is in such a sad state. They actually have no uh, no erotic clubs going on in the metaverse. Someone in chat says, in before it was a 14-year-old kid who wrote the mods. I guarantee it. I almost guarantee it. The metaverse, though, has created a coach that will help train future NBA stars. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Coach Nat. A VR model within the metaverse voiced by Shaquille O'Neal with no ability to actually view the future athletes at all that's going to train them. But you know what the best part is about this super sad Coach Nat? Is that his supposed... Great feature is to fly like Superman. I would have never thought a digital asset in a virtual space could defy gravity. Do do I, do I need to explain that in a digital space 
it's very, very easy to defy gravity because gravity actually doesn't exist. It actually takes more effort to have a digital asset actually obey gravity in physics than it is to disobey it. I, I, I don't need to explain that, right? We all get that. Just, just nod your head. Just, just nod your head. Trust me on this. A anything in a video game can very, very easily... It's actually easier. Like, no joke. It is easier for anything in a video game to defy laws, laws of physics than it is in real life. Infinitely easier. You just delete code. Why is it that the more and more meta the metaverse tries to advance, the sadder and sadder and sadder it gets? And the worst part is the fly off like Superman. You know what it looked like? I kid you not. It, I'm, I'm seriously not kidding at all. It looked like you went ahead and took the digital asset clicked on it with a mouse and just dragged it around. That's what it looked like. I kid you not. It even jittered like it was being controlled by a mouse. That was their great demonstration. Someone in chat asked, did it T-Pose fly? No, it did not. I would have respected T-Pose flying more than what it did. It literally just looked like this normal asset just like breathing and like doing like its little fidgeting movements. But being dragged around by a mouse. It is, uh... It's sad. It really, really is. <sighs> you know what else is sad? Ubisoft is open to being bought out. <laughs> really? <laughs> You know what, Ubisoft? You 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 go ahead. You know, maybe you should be bought out because your current management can't seem to figure out their difference between their rear end and a hole in the ground. You know, Ubisoft, maybe you should be bought by Blizzard. You could probably learn a thing or two from their management team. They're not good things, but you'd probably learn you'd learn something. We're gonna take our last break here. When we come back, I have some more stories, including uh, some interesting things about the Steam Deck, and of course, the weird stuff. <laughs> Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Samsung QD OLED TVs have a problem. And it's that, well, there is 
a delay on production of some of these OLED panels. Oh boy, yet another thing in this world that is having manufacturing problems. Uh. Someone in chat says it's the chip shortage, isn't it? It actually isn't directly the chip shortage. In this case, it is literally some of the raw materials that go into manufacturing the panel are in short supply. So now for these TVs, now you first off have the shortage of the controllers to use them, affected by the chip shortage. But now the panel itself is falling behind in production. It never ends, this nonsense. All, all I can do is just shake my head in all this. I really wish there was more I could do. But that's just really all there is to it. Just just shake your head. Yet another thing that there's a shortage of. How about some good news? How, how about something that doesn't thoroughly depress me? Well, how about this? iFixit has taken apart the Steam Deck. Now, Valve, the maker of the... For those who don't know, let's actually start from the beginning. For those that don't know, the the Steam Deck is a handheld x86-based computer that runs on Linux. Its purpose and the way it's designed is to be a handheld PC gaming device. It has a screen in the middle. It has con- it has two halves of a controller on both sides of it. It's basically a Nintendo Switch, but for PC games. And unlike other devices like it, it's affordable. At about $400 to $500 starting price. Now, Valve, when this thing first launched, kind of pulled something that I would have done. They said, you really shouldn't take this apart. It can cause all kinds of damage to it. And in fact, if done very poorly, you could puncture the battery and cause it to catch fire. You really should only take this apart if you are comfortable doing so. Only people who intend to fix it and those who are trained on it should be working on this. So anyway, we remove these 11 screws, take off the back, and here we can see this component here and that component there. Like, they originally very clearly said you shouldn't open this. And then proceeded to go, anyway, here's how you can repair everything. And a lot of other people said, oh man, why would they do such a thing? I can't believe they would tell us to do one thing and 
and then do the exact opposite. I am actually stunned by the number of people in the tech media that couldn't put two and two together. They went ahead and made a device that is repairable, but then to make sure that they keep the lawyers happy, said you really shouldn't do this unless you're a trained professional. It's pretty obvious. But in any case, iFixit has taken down the, the Steam Deck and showed how repairable it is. They gave it a repairability score of 7 out of 10. And... Valve to kind of go and push forward the whole thing of they want to be pro-repair has done something that I wish more people would do. They have made iFixit one of, and I want to stress this, one of the authorized vendors of replacement parts for the Steam Deck. That is how you put out there that you actually care about repairability. You make the center of right to repair, I fix it, a partner in making your product repairable. Also, I am greatly amused by um, iFixit's picture of the teardown of the uh, of the Steam Deck because they have like two little portal turrets sitting next to the Steam Deck, and also what appears to be, I think, a small thick speaker with wires coming off it built into a potato to kind of be a uh, a replica of. GLaDOS being in a potato from Portal 2. It's a nice touch. I like that touch. So if you were worried by uh, by Valve getting too full of themselves and then you wouldn't be able to go ahead and get any sort of replacement parts, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's clearly not the case. Can I also just say, every other small PC manufacturer the GPD, the the GPDs, and others. They never made such moves. Never. Just about most of them are trying to bash on the Steam Deck of not being the same quality and that there's nothing special. We talk about GPD going on a screed on Reddit about how the Steam Deck's nothing special. It's just a basic ARM SOC in there connected to a fan. There's nothing special in there. I still say there is something very special in there. One, I can afford it. I can justify 500 bucks on a handheld gaming system. I have a hard time justifying 800 for one that runs Windows with specs less than what Windows wants 
and also games okay-ish. Like, that's the thing. By having Valve use, use Linux for starters, but then also use an AMD SoC with a better graphic card built into it, they have made something special. They have made a system that can game pretty well. That doesn't try to go ahead and meet any kind of major benchmark. Because in the end, and I've said this before, the Steam Deck, you're not going to be able to do 4K graphics. You're going to struggle doing 1080p graphics. And this is something that for whatever reason, GPD and all the other manufacturers miss. We are perfectly fine with our Nintendo Switch having having 720p graphics in handheld mode. It's a portable device. I don't need freaking 4K graphics on a screen the size of my phone. Is that nice? Yes. Do I need it? Heck no. GPD just wouldn't accept that. Let's go make an Intel Atom-based system and have it run 1080p games on a 6-inch screen. Why? You won't notice the difference on such a small screen between 720 and 1080. Okay, maybe you will if you stare at it long enough, but is it enough to matter? Especially if your battery is going to... What would you rather do? Would you rather game for two hours at 720 or one hour at 1080? Well, actually, in the Steam Deck's case, you're getting closer to like four, five, six, depending on what you're playing. But this is the point. You don't need the highest end graphics when you're trying to go ahead and fit all this power into such a small device. Compromises are perfectly fine. That's why the Steam Deck costs as low as it does. That is why its battery life is as good as it is. And honestly, those boxes for most people is more than enough to be a buy. I personally, as someone who likes to go ahead and repair his own devices when they do break, all of this, being able to go ahead and get the parts easily to be able to fix them very easily and even getting the seal of approval from one of the most cynical outlets out there when it comes to device repair and even have them be one of the partners for repairing the blasted thing. That is a huge win in my book. And you may think what I think doesn't matter, but let's be honest. When the joystick on your Steam Deck continues to drift to the right... 
I may not be in your area, but you know someone just like me that is in your area, and you're going to go straight to them to fix it. Or you are a crazed lunatic like me, and you're going to go ahead and whip out your... How many bits are in this screwdriver kit? A lot. There's a lot of bits in this screwdriver kit. You're going to go ahead and, and, and whip out this and be like, all right, let's get to work. Honestly, as long as... As long as Valve doesn't run into a chip problem, if this SOC that they're using can in fact be produced with the few foundries that have headroom, this could be a big answer to a lot of PC gamers. Like, heck, what if my gaming PC goes down? I can't get a GPU right now. That's literally impossible. Not even figure, figuratively impossible, literally impossible to get a GPU right now. If I can get a Steam Deck, and there, and by the way, there is an HDMI out. There is an HDMI out on the Steam Deck. So I could, in a pinch, grab a Steam Deck, hook it up to my capture card, and stream with the Steam Deck, which would be really awkward because I'd have a Steam Deck that I'd be controlling with my Stream Deck. And that certainly isn't going to be a tongue twister at freaking all. Let's shift gears over to yet another billionaire buying space flights into space. This time it is Jared Isaacman, who, by the way, that cannot be a real last name. Isaacman? No offense to Jared Isaacman, but this sounds like a last name I made up on the spot when dealing with a scammer. What is the origin of this of this name? <laughs> but in any case, this billionaire with a potentially fake name has bought more private SpaceX flights, including uh, one on a starship. You know what's amazing to me? Here's the thing that's really amazing to me. We have gone in a matter of a couple of years from actual space flight being the wonderment, the, the wonderful thing that many of us tech heads have looked at. Except me, because I mean, I'm not too enthusiastic about going back to the moon or whatnot. And now tons of people absolutely don't want to hear any more about space flight because it's just random guys they've never heard of being like hey they want a flight to space what are they going to see nothing 
Like, here's the real problem with the, with these stories about so-and-so going to space. They're not doing anything up there. And it's very quickly becoming a, exactly as someone just said, space is now for the rich. You know what the funny thing is? I want to talk about yachting for a second. If you went ahead and had a giant yacht, you could go ahead, bask in the sun, enjoy watching a major event on a large screen TV to the sound of the ocean, just crashing against the side of the boat. You could cast anchor, go for a swim, enjoy the open sea, the sight of it all. What the heck do you do in space? You look at the night sky from the view of the night sky. Like, we can go in about how yachting is only for the rich, and it's mostly because, of course, the cost of managing the crew and the boat is absurdly expensive. Like, I don't even want to know. It's probably seven or eight digits minimum. But at least there, there is an appeal to it. It is a unique experience, and there's stuff to do. What are you going to do in space? Are you going to sip wine? Oh, wait, no, because the wine's going to float out of the glass and then stain your spacesuit. <laughs> Chat has the answer. <laughs> it's fornicating, fornicating in space. But this was my point in bringing up this story. Everyone is sick of it. It's just person X spent a lot of money to do nothing. The, someone in chat says the Mile High Club has been replaced with the Deep in Space Club. You know what the problem is? You're not even going deep in space! <laughs> You're going deeper into your significant other than you are in space. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're being pulled off several different platforms for talking about fornication, let's instead talk about the last bird, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day or the week. Disney is offering story living for adults. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, man. We, we, we are not getting our heads any further out of the gutter, are we? So, if you are a man-child and want to go ahead and relive out your Disney storytelling, you can enjoy Disney's new Palm Springs community complete with Oasis. Yes, that is the name of it. Where, where Disney's great staff and story acting will be reimagined with you as the focal point of this whatever the heck it is. You know what, though? You know what? As dumb as it sounds to go ahead and have your fantasy of reliving (laughs) your crazy Disney story complete with acting servants I will say at least this much at least unlike the trip to space there is something else to do other than fornicate Oh man, have we been pulled off? Have we been pulled off every network yet? Hey, you know what? I'll say this much. My email inbox is going to be very, very interesting to read. Between the crypto bros trying to justify their terrible existence and networks trying to bash my use of the word fornication, this is going to be a very interesting week to read my emails folks that's gonna do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening if we're if this if we're not censored by anything hey the fcc wouldn't censor me you can't either i do encourage you check out my daily podcast the early burb briefing in which we don't talk about fornication often at anchor.fm slash early b-i-r-b briefing I think that is it. Anchor.fm slash early bird briefing. Also check out our bonus episode of the podcast. You can find that $1 subscription. Anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech. And check out my Twitch page. Twitch.tv slash eagle falcon. Take care. And I hope you have a great day. You know what the worst part is about this story and the fact that our heads immediately went to the gutter? Here's the worst part about this. There is a 55 plus area of the community. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no.
Oh, no! Oh. Anyway, let's change the subject. Hi, how are you doing?